book of Luke, chapter number 19, verse number 10. The Bible says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Very simple, but yet profound. Purposeful and truly important. His mission. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. You may be seated tonight. Truly, as we look at this scripture played out, we saw at the very beginning of Luke 19, we find Jesus walking into an area called Jericho. There, Zacchaeus happens to see that Jesus is coming to town. The Bible said he was a tax collector. He was an IRS agent, if you will. First strike against him. He was rich. Let me refer you to the first. He was a tax collector. He was rich. I see how this works. Clearly, he was not the favorite of the neighborhood. And the Bible tells us that when Zacchaeus heard Jesus was coming, he was small in nature. And so therefore, in order to get through the crowd and to see Jesus, he climbed a tree. I have a feeling there were some that wanted to push him out of the tree. He wasn't the favorite of the neighborhood. He was certainly not the favorite of anyone. In fact, he was the guy that had probably taken advantage of in that era of time. He was the guy that took advantage of most of the town. He was rich because he had a little extra coming to him, more than what even was required. And yet, in the midst of it all, Jesus stops and says to Zacchaeus, Hey, why don't you come down out of that tree because I want to come to your house today. Now that's, folks, when it really got interesting. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Him? What about my house? Why wouldn't you come to my place? I'm so much better than he is. Oh, if you can just imagine the conversation that must have been like there in Jericho as everyone begins to talk. Why would Jesus go to his house and not mine? I mean, he is a sinner. Why on earth would we go and would he go there? But it was interesting to note that as Jesus begins to converse with Zacchaeus, it isn't long until now Zacchaeus begins to change his perspective. Something happens by him simply being around the master. As he is around the master, something begins to take place. And we find him immediately beginning to confess. Lord, I, I you know what? I'm going to make everything right. Lord, I'm going to give more than what I took. I'm going to make restitution and I'm going to make it better. For you see, when God shows up, He always brings conviction. But He always brings blessing. For you see, when God shows up, a tremendous element there begin to take place in Zacchaeus' life. The realization that what I have, I don't want. And what he has, I desperately need. And there in the process of it, 
it all, we find them questioning, wondering, why would he listen to Zacchaeus? Why would he want to ever go to his house? I would submit to you today that as Jesus turned the tide and attention around and simply says, I just want to remind everybody once and for all, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. His mission was clear. His purpose was established. He had simply said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to preach deliverance to the captive. I've come to set at liberty them that are bruised. I have come to preach that acceptable year of the Lord, he was saying. I've come, in other words, to preach the year of Jubilee, where you're going to get forgiveness, where your lives are going to be transformed. In other words, Jesus was saying, he may not look like it. He may not feel like it. It may not look like he would want it, but he wanted everyone to know that the reason I came was so that I could seek and save that which was lost. His mission. His purpose. In fact, the truth is, should we be surprised? No. Because that's the way it's always been. For you see, even from the very beginning of the book of Genesis, we find clearly the story playing out from the very inception of mankind. From the beginning of Adam and Eve, daily he would come and commune with them until Adam and Eve sinned. He still continued to come. He came and said, where are you, Adam and Eve? I don't know where you are, but I am where you left me. I'm coming back over and over because I just can't help myself. I want a relationship with you. I want to commune with you. And yet in the midst of that after they were thrown from the garden he still never left that perfect desire and hunger. That's why that later in the book of Exodus Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy we find the Exodus taking place. We find the law being given and then we find the tabernacle being built. And while the tabernacle is being built oh I can hear him say it to Moses again. He said Moses I'll tell you where you're going to put that tabernacle I want you to put it in the center focal point of that camp why? because I want to dwell among them, I want to be in the midst of them, I know they're sinners, I know they're imperfect but I've got to be with them you see his mission has never changed, his purpose is still the same he has come to seek and to save that which is lost could it be that times we forget that is what he did for us? For you see, I'm so thankful when I began to ponder about what God did for me. I don't deserve unmerited favor. I don't deserve the grace in which he gives. I don't deserve the love. How many know in this house, I know there's people here. You've come under the sound of my voice. You may be visiting for the very first time and you wonder how, what are you talking about? What is these people? Why do they respond and do what they do? I'll tell you why. Because one day through a magnitude of sin God reached down and he gave life and that I might have it more abundantly it wasn't a payback it was something he gave free he said I'm going to pay the price so you don't have to why because his mission is to seek and save that which is lost and yet 
when God saved us, it's as if He enrolled us into the process. And He said, it's more than just saving you. It's enrolling you in the mission. Because He said, really what I want you to know is, in the book of Mark 16, verse 15, we find him about to ascend into the heavens. It's almost over. The last few words that he would speak on this earth as Christ manifests in the flesh. Oh, the last few moments before his ascension, they would lastly hear him say, I just want everybody to know clearly. He said this, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What was he saying? He was saying, I want to remind you, my mission is your mission. My purpose is your purpose. What I'm about, you need to be about. But it's easy for us to forget where we were Translate it into looking at others and say, certainly they wouldn't want what we have. And could it be the reason we're not as involved in his mission is because we no longer believe that people want what we have. Because we're looking at them like the disciples and everyone was looking at Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. Ain't nobody got time for that. And the reason he's wealthy is because he's getting skimming a little bit off the top. In fact, when he came to your house, there's a whole lot off the top. And why would he want to stop his lifestyle? Because he'd have to give up his riches. In other words, we want to talk ourselves out of the mission. Nobody wants it. Thank you, Pastor John, talking about the fact, hey, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where you live. Hey, get involved. Let's get people involved in the mission. And yet... We look at this and we say, I'm not sure people really want it. So maybe that's one of the reasons why we stop the process and we don't share it with someone else. Twelve years ago, I'm so thankful that Frank Bounds, missionary, North American missionary, I'm so thankful that he went to Parkersburg, West Virginia through the assistance of Christmas for Christ. He there moved there and began to start a church there 12 years ago. I'm thankful for Frank Bounds. He started churches all over North America, one in Salt Lake, other places around, and I'm so thankful for his ministry. And he, he, he did such a capable, wonderful job. In fact, five years later, he turned it over to his son, David Bounds, and it was a church of about 70 people. That's pretty impressive in a five-year time frame. And I'm not saying everybody was fully discipled, but certainly there was a tremendous level of discipleship taking place and conversion taking place. 
Uh, one of my favorite places to preach is Pastor David Bounds Church there in Parkersburg because when you go there, you see a bunch of people that are brand new. In fact, 90% in the last seven years, Brother Bounds, Brother David Bounds has continued the soul winning and, and continued after and pursuing after the lost. And in fact, when you go there, over 90% of their congregation's first generation Pentecost. When you get there, there's people, I'm telling you, covered in tats. There are people that are former drug addicts, heroin addicts. In fact, if you go there, you're going to find and meet people who were in prison for years. His assistant pastor, in fact, served, I believe it was 12 years in prison. When he got out, he came to church. God got filled him with the Holy Ghost. And in fact, Justin's a licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church today. But you see, Brother Bounds told me, he said, I'm not sure everybody would have wanted Rick when he showed up. He said, because the clothes Rick was wearing when he showed up on our church bus, he had stolen from somebody. I'm feeling pretty bad for the next guy, you know, anyway. Glad he didn't show up anyway. But, but yet, in the midst of it all, he said, today, Rick has been converted. Rick has been delivered from addictions. Rick is now has millions of followers on social media through his recovery program and has many people being recovered from addictions in their own lives. In fact, you're just going to see a, a church full of people who were former heroin. In fact, the, the, the coven of witches found out in the neighborhood that, that they were having people delivered of heroin. They showed up one day for church and in the middle of church God delivered them and in fact one of the former witches is now married, child, wonderful Christian, godly family in the church today in the last year they baptized over 150 in their, their prison ministry they've even baptized the warden of the jail can I tell you it's not about who you think needs this it's not about how I think or this person or that it's about understanding that the mission is seek and save that which is lost they looked at you know, I, I, I get it. I mean, I remember in high school. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm apostolic. I've grown up in this thing. And sometimes it's hard sometimes to really think. Do they really want it? In high school, parents kicked me out of a Christian school. It wasn't the school that kicked me out. It was my parents. They said, you've gone eight years, Calvary Christian school. Now it's time to get real life. Go to a public high school. Well, that wasn't any fun. But I was learning how to be a soul winner then. I didn't realize that, but I was. And, but, but I'll be kind of, I, I wasn't that great at it. In fact, I'm going to tell you why I wasn't that great at it. Girl next door, right next, in the locker, right next door to mine. Name was Tanya. Tanya, you know, you've heard that term, that stereotype of a sailor is cuss like sailor. Well, in my school it was cuss like Tanya. Man, she could cuss. Everybody knew her. She was least likely candidate 
Tanya one day came to me. She said, Bill, I don't know what it is, but I, I, there's something different about you. And I'm like, you know, well, you know, it's because I don't dress out during, you know. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like, let's be honest. I don't know. Here they figured it out. Here you go. She said, no, Bill, I feel something different. I, I, I don't know what it is. She said, can anybody go to your church? Okay, I wasn't the greatest at winning the lost, okay? But since she invited herself, I, why not jump on board? It's not near as hard as you think. I said, Sure. She goes, can I bring my boyfriend? I didn't know at the time. Her boyfriend was backslidden apostolic. He was doing his best to talk her out of it. He was the greatest benefit and the greatest blessing because the more he tried to talk her out of it, the more interested she got. He came on a Wednesday night. Uh-oh. Nothing spiritual ever happens on a Wednesday night, you know. That's just teaching. God can't, I mean, come on, really? God can't have the... I mean, for those of you who are visiting, I am just kidding, okay? <laughs> because good things can happen on Wednesday night. Because he just simply said, two or three are gathered together in my midst. That's where I'm going to be. And so we can ha- oh, it can happen anytime and anywhere, folks. Sure enough, she came, pastor taught. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the most exciting. I, I told Brother Larson was my pastor at that time, and I jokingly told him a few years ago, I was telling him this story, and he got to laugh, and he goes, well, thanks. That makes me feel good. I was really excited on that Wednesday night. I said, well, I'm not trying to. You, you were good. It was just us. You know, sometimes it's the recipients. Not anyway. Well, let's just go from there anyway. And he said, but, you know, in the, after it was finished, he, she looked at me. She goes, can, can anybody go down and pray? Well, hey, yeah, this this soul winning thing's easy. <laughs> and she came down and prayed, and God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost on a Wednesday night. And God gave me a revelation that people want this thing. There's a desire. There's a hunger. And if I'll just get in a room and let God's mission come out, God is going to do because He said, "I came to seek and save." That which is lost. Oh, I got. I got to hurry. But I'm gonna have to tell you one more. I, I remember. You know, I sat next to a cheerleader, varsity cheerleader in in study hall, and and and, and you know. I, I was I, I knew God was moving me towards ministry and and I was just an absolute kid and, and and Kathy sat next to me and we got to talking and Kathy one day walked up to me and she said, Bill, why are you so stinking happy every morning? I'm like, well, Kathy, I'm a morning person. She said, No, no, there's something else. Oh, well, you know, Kathy, at that time we were having 5 a.m. prayer meeting every morning. And we had been praying and God was moving. We had about 15, 20 of us meeting every morning, 5 a.m., Monday through Friday at the church. And God was stirring some things up. And, and so, you know, I, I kind of hem-hauled around. Finally, I just had to tell her, well, Kathy, it's because we go to prayer meeting every morning. She goes, you do what? I said, yeah, prayer meeting. Again, I'm not the greatest. She goes, well, can anybody come? Sure. She was, 
She was so averse. She was used to getting up early. That's when cheer practice was. She skipped cheer practice. She showed up in 5 a.m. prayer. We were getting a hold of God. God was doing something great. A bunch of teenagers praying at church at 5 a.m. before school. And all of a sudden, somebody looked over and they saw one of the girls said, Kathy's crying. Well, Kathy feels something. Kathy began to pray. And God filled Kathy with the Holy Ghost before 6 a.m. on a school day. Can I tell somebody? You may think they don't want it. They want it bad. Why? Because that's his mission. That's what he did. That's what he came here for. You say, but I can't. Oh, yes, you can. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Oh, you were anointed for this. You were born for this. When you were born again, God put something inside of you. Paul said it like this to the Corinthians. He said, you're ambassadors for Christ. You represent him. It's God. You're representing God. Making his appeal through you. Imploring on your behalf and on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. That's what God does through you. Even to the Philippians you say, I can't. Oh, wait a minute. Forget that. Throw that argument out. I can't doesn't exist. What do you mean I can't doesn't exist? Well, he said this first 13 of chapter 4 Philippians I can do just a few things well one or two things ah yeah not that though I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me so really his mission can become my mission You see, when his mission becomes my mission, it's more than just simply saying, I will do something occasionally or every once in a while about it. No, Paul said this to the Romans in chapter 1 of 14 and 15. He said, I am a debtor. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. He said, as so much as, as me, he said, I, I, I'm now ready to preach the gospel to, to them that are at Rome. I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just here because of what God did for me. Can I tell you, we are just here because of what God did for us. I don't deserve it. It's not something I earned. It's something that he gave me, and therefore I am a debtor. Because his mission somehow must become my mission. He later on said this. He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. What do you think about? He said, first, the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and all the other stuff will come to you. But you, you got to focus on him first. You see, the truth is, it is a part of funding the mission. We become a part not only by personal evangelism, but by also funding because really value in our society is exchanged when we put sweat into something. Oh, come on. I, I know we got a new world, you know. Everybody wants something for nothing. 
But that just leads to collapse. Because real value comes from when I do something. My wife's been giving me a hard time because I, I, I told my son we were going to go hunting and I made him pay for his part of the trip. He's only 17 years old. Now I do kind of feel bad because neither one of us shot a deer. And I made him pay it off right before I came here. And he was having to, he's selling Christmas trees, slaving everything, you know, every day, working 10 or 12 hours a day right now. And, well, I'm just making him pay for something, you know. Yeah, he'll be a better man about it, you know, someday. But, but it's, it's value. We exchange it by sweat. We, we give some. Well, whenever I become a part of funding the kingdom and the mission, it's something where I am intricately a part of this thing because that's where my treasure is. See, and I know there's some times where we feel like, well, I can't afford to do this. We can't afford not to do this. I'll never forget Craig and Shanna. Father and daughter came to our church back when I pastored in Orlando. And, and, and they came, both got the Holy Ghost. It's a beautiful story of God touching someone's life. And I'll never forget the first missions conference. Craig was just learning how to give and he was just starting to tithe. And, and that was a big deal. I mean, I'll never forget. It's really that much? I know, it's just that little. God's going to bless you. And he, and he has. But, but, I, but I remember this, that during our missions conference, his daughter who was working part-time at a little school making about 11 or, I don't know, 11, 12 dollars an hour. And, and, and she was part-time because she was going to college too. And, 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 and the missions conference moved and God moved on her and she, she pledged 400 dollars a month. And this was about 18 years ago, 19 years ago. That's a lot of money. Somebody said, that's a lot of money now. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it is. But Craig called me the next morning. I was so proud of Shanna. Here she was, 19-year-old girl, pledging that kind of money. is amazing. Craig called me the next day. He's bawling his eyes out on the phone. I mean, you can hear it. <laughs> Pastor, I'm so sorry. This is horrible. I'm like, what, what? He goes, oh, my word. He said, I made the mistake. I'm asking Shanna what she pledged. I said, and? Pastor, she's pledging more than I did. I started looking at my $300 pledge. He said, I realized I was just giving something. She was sacrificing. And, and, and you know, his personality is kind of like this. He goes, I, I, I just got to bump it up. Uh, he said, bump it up to a thousand. I think after he said it, he regretted that for a moment, you know. <laughs> we're not talking about a thousand once. We're talking about a thousand a month. I said, you sure? He said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think. And he struggled a little bit for the next couple months, but, but here's the beauty of God. God keeps accurate records. And I talked to him not long ago, and I said, is that deal still going on? He said, every single time. It's amazing. And let me just tell you about that little deal. 
Not long, about two months after, he started giving that monthly pledge to missions. You know what happened? He got a phone call from a company that he worked with, and they said, you know, Craig, they said, we got this machine that we are contractually obligated to have and provide to our customers. We've sold this for years, but, but nobody's buying it anymore. But we're obligated to have it in case somebody needs it. And he said, so this, here's the situation. We don't have where to put it. We've been paying this, letting this guy store it somewhere, but nothing's going on with it. It's got moss and just dirt on it and in fact they just want it out of their property so can they move it to your 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 uh, place and if anything happens with it if anybody needs business you get a hundred percent of the profit they're going to send you the supplies you're going to run it through this machine and then you're going to ship it out I mean it, it's not even a lot of work he said but 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 we just have to give it to and, and allow this for our customers and, and he said at first I'm thinking I don't want a bunch of junk sitting around my storage he said, then I thought, well, you know what? Yeah, just, he said, I got checked. He said, yeah, go ahead and send it. Well, they sent it to his place. He put it in his shop. And then he started getting phone calls. And this one, hey, I haven't used this stuff, but for some reason somebody needs it. Here's a $5,000 order. He said, he said, Brother Hobson, I just talked to him a few, a few months ago about it. He said, Brother Hobson, and this has been almost 19 years ago. He said, every time I need a little extra, he said, I'll all of a sudden get a phone call and I'm still using this crazy machine that nobody was using before it came to my house. Oh, can I tell you, it came to the house because God knew exactly what he was doing. I'm here today to tell you, God keeps accurate records. If we will become a part of the mission, if we'll get involved in the mission, God will step up. Well, it's great church plants that happen. See, sometimes things that we involve ourselves with we do a little bit and God does the rest. But we get it started. It's kind of like watering, putting water in the prime for a pump. That's what happens when you go and start a church. A church planter that you assisted this past year with, with a great offering helping them not have to deputize again. A metro missionary, Anthony Inst of Vancouver. Two and a half years they were completely shut down because of COVID and the COVID requirements in Vancouver, Canada. It's been an unbelievable two and a half years for them. And yet uh, prior to COVID they were having about 100 people in their downtown location. They decided they were going to start a new location in April of 2020. Well that didn't turn out so well. But here's what happened through the all. God has blessed them. In fact, I talked to him yesterday. He told me, he said, we were just able to start this new location. We now have two locations. We're having church. And he said, we're averaging 75 in each location. That's a 50% growth during COVID. And here's what he told me. He said that new location, he said, is right downtown in the middle of Vancouver. It's an area called Hastings Street. Hastings Street is known for worldwide even for its, I mean, it's just the most horrific street in the world. There are all types of, there are thousands of homeless people there. There are, I mean, the drug abuse, the prostitution, it is, it is horrific that you, you will see open needles laying on the ground. It's worse than, worse than anything I've ever seen in San Francisco, New York City. It, it is an ungodly area he said we have a recovery center that is really we're meeting there in that area once a week and he said you know we found out not long ago that Vancouver spends 14 million dollars a day to try to deal with the homeless and the drug situation on Hastings every day 
But he said, we have a recovery system. And he said, we've been working with a lady and she, they, they're, they're letting us use this. And he said, they're letting us use it free. But, but then they called us the other day and said, you know what? I, I can't let you use it free anymore. I'm going to have to charge you because there's another church using it. And they're, they're getting upset. And she said, but, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to charge you $125 every time you meet. Well, that sounds like a lot to some. But we're talking Vancouver where the average home is over a million dollars. And so literally these buildings they're in are 15, 20 million dollars. It would be, it's not a stretch that it's six to eight thousand. In fact, before COVID, they were paying almost eight thousand dollars to meet once on Sunday. Every week. Uh, Excuse me, they were paying eight thousand dollars a month. So about two thousand dollars to meet once on Sunday. But he said, this location, she said, I'm going to have to charge you 125 dollars. So that's almost laughable. And then, then the, this businesswoman looked at him and said, but you know what? She said, I, I feel bad about that. But she said, I really appreciate what you're doing here. Here's a little offering for your church. She handed him a check for $10,000. See, he, here's the thing. When we do what we can do, God shows up and does what he can do. Even Metro Missionary, you also helped Scott Grant this past year and, and helped him not to have to deputize again. He, he started a church in Montreal many years ago, and he turned that church over. They're trying to get a building. In fact, they're working towards it. I think they've got a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank they've saved, and they're going to eventually have a church building. And then additionally, uh, he went to Troy Vieira, which is right between Quebec City. I'm sorry I'm talking fast. So I just kind of want to give this information, but it's an incredible story because Scott Grant uh, goes to Troy Vieira now, second church, and he starts that about seven years ago builds this church up they just transitioned and he told me he said here's the beautiful thing he said after they've transitioned I just gave it to somebody else they're passing this church he's going to Quebec City to start another church and and here's what the beauty is he said this Troy Vier church he said they are about to close on a building that seats 300 and it looks like their mortgage is only going to be about $175,000 That's not something that mankind does. That sounds something like God does. But they're there because of your giving. They're there because your involvement in the mission. When His mission becomes our mission. I challenge you. I know without a doubt. I know this great church. You've sacrificed. You've given. And I believe with all of my heart God keeps accurate records. And let me just say this very clearly. I believe that God knows exactly where you're at. I know you have given so other people could have buildings when you need a bigger building. But I promise you God keeps accurate records. We're seeing things all over North America. This year we had a church planner giving a building for $20. I'm here today to tell you it's, it's what God will do. We do what we can do and God will show up and do what He can do. Why? Because it's his mission. But his mission must become my mission. And when his mission becomes my mission, when I get involved, when I submit what I have to him, you see, it's the church planner that said, I would not be here if it weren't for that monthly check. Because of CFC, we're able, and your offerings like what you have given, we're able to give church planners. We have, we have over 400 church planners currently within the first five years of their existence as self-governing churches. We also have 400 daughter works. We have 200, 200 plus preaching points, which represents over 1,000 new works in the last five to seven years in North America. 
Let me just tell you how big that is. That represents nearly 20% of the total works of the United Pentecostal Church in North America. Feels like that's overwhelming. All of the support that's needed. But we are funding our church planners at record levels. Many of our self-governing churches were able to give 200, up to 2000 a month to help them. And in some places it doesn't feel like that's enough. And it's not enough. But we're able to help them. And when we do what we can do, God steps in and does the miraculous. I talked to one church planner. He said, I lost my job. Wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that monthly commitment and that monthly check and stipend. You, you've, you've helped me. You've kept me there. Another church planner in SoCal, and we, we told the story, Brother Hodges told the story some time ago. He said, at general conference, he said, you know, Brother Gonzalez was there in San Diego, California. I mean, in an area where, I mean, it is so expensive to live. Impossible to think about starting a church and even owning a property. It would be almost impossible. And yet, Brother Gonzalez there, he's Surprisingly enough, church planning is not always easy. Surprisingly enough, sometimes when you're in the will of God, everything comes against you. He lost his job. Then he lost a place to rent and have church. Most of us would have said, oh, it's not the will of God. we got to get out of here. No, sometimes the will of God is when everything is blowing up around you. Because God said, I'm going to blow all this up, but you just wait. Because when I pay back, it's pretty incredible. And sure enough, he stayed. was doing the best he could, calling everywhere, trying his best to get a place to rent. Finally, he got a phone call. Or, the, or he was talking to a pastor. He said, oh, no, we're not going to rent our building, do you? He, he said, oh, okay. He said, but wait, wait, would you like to come by and at least look at it? Well, that's rude. Serious? Well, yeah, come on. You can come by and take a look at it, but you're not going to, oh, just come by. He's like, well, I don't have anything better to do. So he went by. And there shows up, and the pastor says, hey, I called one of our board members, too. We're not going to rent you this building or anything, but, you know, he's going to walk with us. So they're giving a little tour. I mean, they're showing him the building. I mean, they're showing him the sanctuary. He's like, oh, man, I would love to be able to rent this place. Are you sure you're not going to let? No, no, we can't, let, we can't rent this to you. Okay. Board member says, about 15, 20 minutes in the tour, he goes, hey, I got a question. If, if you needed, if, if, you, if, if we rented this place to you and you needed money to help to, to basically pay a little contractual down payment or whatever, um, and you didn't have it, would you tell us? Sure. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Then about 15 minutes later, Hey, I got another question. He said, if, now, now we're not going to rent it to you, but if we did rent it to you and you couldn't make the, the, the rent one month, you were struggling, would you at least tell us? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that wouldn't be hard to do. <laughs> I'll tell you. I mean, I may not have any money to give you, but I'll tell you. <laughs> but he said, after the tour ended, they said, oh, oh, you know what, we... There's just something different about you. Tell you what, we're, we're going to rent this to you. And they started renting it to him. That went on for six months till one day the pastor came in of that particular building and he said, Brother Gonzalez, or Reverend Gonzalez, he said, I gotta, I, I, I'm thinking about retiring. He said, you think you'd like to pastor this church? 
He said, well, you're, you're, you're not denominationally what we are. He said, I'm not changing who I am. He said, no, I'm not asking you to change who you are. He said, now you can't have a service as lively as what you're doing. He said, you can have your own service. You can still keep doing that. But these 20 people that I'm pastoring here, maybe even 18, he said, they're older. They just want to be able to live out their life and have their own little service like they used to. And he said, so if you just run that, you can pastor that, but you can just pastor the whole church. Well, I mean, now we got something to think about here. So he calls his, his superintendent, Brother Hodges, says, Go for it. Just don't change your message. Cool. I get to pastor another denominational church. That's pretty fun. <laughs> so now he's pastor the church. Well, but before it all trans completely transpired, the pastor called him in one day. He said, well, he said, we're about to make this transition. He said, you've been elected. He said, I want to discuss the, the salary package. He said, oh, salary package. Of course, Brother Gonzalez told me later, he said, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, this is going to be a long conversation. There's 18 people. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of building to pay for. He's, 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 I was kind of chugging. I'm thinking, how far is 50 bucks go? <laughs> he said, and I, the whole time I'm thinking, I don't even have a job. And now I have two jobs that don't pay. He said, but the, the man looked at him and he said, he said, You've got a master's degree. Yeah, he said, yes, sir. He said, okay, I've, we've already researched. He said, the average master's degree in San Diego makes X number of dollars. He said, that's going to be your salary. Really? He said, and how much your housing situation? He goes, well, I got this. He goes, well, they're going to cover that too. He said, in fact, you're, you're, you know, there's retirement. And he said, additionally, we're going to be covering all of your uh, insurance and your cell phone. And, I mean, they went through this whole benefits package. He's like, Whoa. And he finally, he said, I want to be rude, but he said, I, how? <laughs> Man got real quiet, serious. He looked him in the eyes and he said, let me just tell you, 20 years ago, God spoke to me and he told me that I was to get the finances of this building and this church arrayed in such a way that it would support a pastor regardless of anybody being here. He said, we own a cell tower that brings in several thousand dollars a month. He said, we have property all around this building. There's property that the church owns that they lease out. It is all paid for 100%. He said, we even have stocks and all kinds of investments that are literally bringing in thousands a month. He said, if nobody's here, there's a salary sitting here. And he said, God told me 20 years ago that I was supposed to get this thing ready because one day I was going to come face to face with a young man and I was going to give it all to him. How does that happen? It happens because somebody says, I've got to get a hold of his mission. And I might not be able to pay it all. Atlanta West, we can't do it all. But when we do our part, God shows up and says, I've got it from here. I know exactly what you need. 